Hello and welcome to the Tell Me If You Can podcast, a podcast where I have the honor of listening to and unpacking stories of amazing women. My name is Ogechi, your host, and today's guest is Lauren Williams. Lauren is a graphic designer and host of the Imperfectly Phenomenal Women podcast. In today's episode, Lauren shares lessons learned about embracing being imperfectly phenomenal as a woman, her process of creating her podcast, and how she inspires guests and listeners to take action in their lives. Let's take a listen to Lauren's story. Lauren, welcome to the podcast. For those of us that don't know who you are, can you give us a quick bio, who you are, what you do, and where you're from? Sure. So hello, everybody. My name is Lauren Williams. I am, um, my side hustle is as host and producer of the Imperfectly Phenomenal Woman podcast, but my nine to five life is actually as a graphic designer and communications manager at International Women's Forum. Um, I really actually love my job a lot, both of my jobs, my side hustle and my personal job. But yeah, just like continuing to explore my interests and whatnot from Richmond, Virginia, originally, but now living in Northern Virginia in Arlington. Got it. Nice. So you're not too far from me in the D.C. area. I live in Gaithersburg, so not too far. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about your background? Um, Did you always live in that Virginia area? And what were some of your hobbies as a kid and some interests that you had growing up? Yeah. So like I mentioned, originally from Richmond, Virginia, once I left Richmond, I went to Charlottesville for undergrad. I went to UVA. Um, after UVA came to Northern Virginia, cause it's basically like where everybody from there ends up going, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so ended up in Northern Virginia. But I think the most, one of the most pivotal moments for me was when I moved to New York. So I've been in Northern Virginia for maybe five years or so, and then moved to New York and lived there for two years. And I think once I got there, that was when I really started to get to know myself a bit more. Cause New York is a whole different animal. Um, yes. After I graduated again from being up there, I was in grad school there, ended up living in Maryland. So I've bounced around a bit, lived in Silver Spring, Maryland for a little, and then came back to Northern Virginia. So that was okay. That was an interesting timeline. That seems like you had the opportunity to kind of explore yourself in different areas. Richmond, even though it is in Virginia, is a it's really a different kind of culture completely from Absolutely. Northern Virginia and UVA is also a little bit different. So Absolutely. even though you're in the same state, it's so different. Yep. So what and I some- tell people that sometimes and like they don't understand, but it is, to- it's different cultures in each of those cities, totally mm-hmm. different cultures. Exactly. What are some lessons or kind of things that you picked up from those different cities about yourself? Interesting question. What did I pick up about myself in Richmond? I feel like that was just like, that was my adolescence, you know? I lived there until I was 18 um, with my mom. And so she was really dictating everything that happened in my life. And I feel like once I actually got to UVA, it was interesting when I was there because they had this particular perception about people from Richmond. And Mm. it seemed like, yeah, it seemed like some people thought that people from Richmond were like hood and like these different <laughs> words and whatnot. But I feel like once I got to UVA, the way that I talked ended up shifting and I ended up kind of transforming myself to fit into that culture a little bit more than continuously being who I was. Same thing when I got to Northern Virginia and started working in my different jobs. I was still trying to transform myself to fit within these different spaces to be accepted. But the thing when I got to New York was when I started to look around and recognized, oh, everybody here is individual. Like 
Mm. You can walk down the street and beatbox by yourself and you're fine. You can like sit on the subway and decide to sing a song at the top of your lungs and you are fine. Like you can do whatever you want, however you want when you're in New York and nobody is going to pay any mind to you, you know? Um, And so when I lived there, it started to make me realize, even though we said the cultures of Richmond and these different areas of Virginia were different, there were still a lot of similarities in how everyone was very similar to each other as compared to New York where everybody seemed to be really, really free. So that's kind of when I started to meet myself when I got to New York and I've brought that with me to Maryland now. I've brought that with me back to Northern Virginia now. I've gotten to like really meet myself. I love that phrase, meeting yourself. And sometimes it takes completely new environments and completely new experiences to allow you to shed all of those things that you place on yourself, costumes, as you will, of who you are. And um, I, I identify a lot with that needing to change who you are, how you speak, your tone, your perception to make yourself a little bit more palatable or easy Mm -hmm. to get to know. And as cool of a skill that is, that's really at the detriment of who you are. And so you spend so much time figuring out who other people need you to be that you don't spend the time to figure out who you are. Um, Were there reactions to people that you knew, maybe family or friends that knew you as one way when you came back from New York and you were your truest, most authentic self? Yeah. So when I'm thinking about it, when I go back to Richmond, sometimes I transform back into my old self. Mm. And I think because those roots are so, 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 so deep, it's harder for me to um, really still just show up as my authentic self because those people, like, that's my family, you know? <laughs> it's yes. my family. And so it's hard for me to be so much more different than what I was when I was there. Um, as far as friends in different areas, everybody's been like really supportive of it for the most part. I haven't changed like drastically. I think the thing that's changed the most is just, it's a lot of mental things, you know? So Mm -hmm. the way that I act towards people isn't very different. Um, The difference in the way that I show up now is more so just being true to myself and like my decisions, you know? So in the past, I might have said yes to things that I really wanted to say no to. I no longer do that. Um, The way that I've like changed my apartment up, that's more true to me. So it's not like huge differences that people would be like, oh, Lauren, you've changed. And if they do think that, then it's usually for the better (laughs) for sure. You know, so the reactions have been mostly pretty good, but I feel like I still need to work on my Richmond self. Yes, I that's that's hard because they knew you from like before you even had the idea of exactly. Self. So it's yeah. like who are you trying to be and you fall into those old habits. I find that sometimes with my family when I go to visit my mom and I I have fallen to like just talking really really loud and like talking over people mm-hmm. whereas really I'm like I would like to believe I'm a really good listener, but it's almost like that's just how the culture, we're just really loud, boisterous people in our family. And so sometimes I have to like reassess myself and like, okay, you're not this loud all the time. Let's calm it down. Interesting. Um, But I, the term for some people, and I don't know if this is your case, but I used to code switch a lot. And if you don't know what code switching is, it's, um, it typically happens for people of color where they change their tone or their vernacular, the way that they move in places where they're a minority or um, may need to feel or seem more palatable to fit in, whether it's a workplace, a school, or Mm -hmm. even just like volunteering at work or in your church, sadly, um, those places you feel like you have to prune or change up parts of yourself so that people accept you or that you fit in that term is called code switching um I used to do that I mean like PhD level code switcher I would like (laughs) to be 
Queen Bee Code Switcher. And um, it really took until like just a couple years ago to realize like, first of all, this is exhausting. And like, who am exhausting. I? I felt so fake. As, and I'm someone that preaches authenticity and talking, like being your true self. And I was doing that in a sense, but the fact that I had to like, switch on and off to, for other people and I'm just like the way that I don't have the time for this like life is too short to be <laughs> five different versions of yourself in a single day um that I have to write that down so it's just something that I've learned the hard way but again what if if you put me in a room full of like Nigerians I fall back into <laughs> this mm, true, like true. old like younger version of myself um but I do believe that if people react negatively, either they prefer the more comfortable or version of themselves that didn't challenge them or didn't threaten them of you, or they um, were never really good friends. And the people that are like, oh, well, I I don't care. My best, my two best friends, I've been best friends with them for almost 20 years now. And so they've seen me change a lot as a person. And they've ridden with me the whole time. So those are the people that really are um, appreciative of your growth as a person versus your value to them as a person. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, your value to them means that they care about what you can bring to them or how you make them look. And your growth as a person means that they care about you and the well-being of you, your authenticity, your health, your mental health, and your happiness. And so I'm happy that you were able to find that away from lots of friends and family. Um, What were some great Mm -hmm. experiences in New York City, especially being in grad school? It could be tough going to school in a whole new city. What were some good experiences there? Yeah. Um... Because New York is just such an interesting place, just period, you know? It's so it's so special. There's I've never been anywhere else that is like New York in terms of how very specific and special it is. Um, one particular moment that I really, really enjoyed was going to the Apollo and, like, dancing mm. on stage with one of my friends. That one definitely stands out. I think I did wow. one of my first, like, workshops while I was there, too. And so I was just really, really proud of that um, with one of my friends as well I think those are probably the oh and I would sleep in Central Park <laughs> like a homeless person. no way oh yeah <laughs> but I would be under a tree <laughs> like I just what really enjoyed that spot I was oh tired but I had like a blanket <laughs> you know what I feel so like I didn't... everyone has had their sleeping in a park moment Mm-hmm. I've had that. I've slept in a park, not Central Park. But <laughs> it was good. It was good times. I liked, loved that spot in the park. I would go out there and edit my podcast episodes, take some, take a smoothie with me, like, and then take a nap. And it was good, wow. man. It was good. Those were like some of my favorite times. And then there was this <laughs> place called Malacone that had like bomb chicken. That was a highlight what? too. Malacone. Oh wow! Has to go. I mean, you know what? Let me write this down. I have a list <laughs> of places that I like different cities, and they're all food related. Because my dream, if Netflix is listening or anybody, is oh girl, what is it? Is to travel. I'm a huge fan of different cultures. Is to travel, nerd out about culture and food, and like. Love it. To do it. So I take a. I have a list of all these different food places because it's my test run of traveling and eating at different places. So I That's will perfect. try some bomb chicken at Malacone. I plan on having a Netflix show too. Yes. So. Together. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so whoever gets there, yeah, first, I will. Sure I will up. bring you I'll into you the me. producer room. Like, guess who needs to be my producer? Oh there we my go. goodness. That is so cool. I mean, I love that you have a food memory because that is totally my love language food. Um, Love it. So you talked about editing. So you were starting your you had already started your podcast when you were living in New York before you moved back home, correct? Yeah. So I started the pod because um, one, that whole identity thing, Mm. it was 
realizing that everybody there is an individual, but I didn't even realize, well, no, I realized that people were individuals, but it didn't like click in me until I had a breakup Mm. and I was crying to my friend and she was like, Lauren, you are an imperfectly phenomenal woman, blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, oh, that's going to be my podcast. So I ended up making the podcast based on that moment. I had been trying to like live up to this unrealistic expectation of being the perfect girlfriend. Um, and that wasn't necessarily who I was. And so really like getting into this whole identity thing, like what do I want? Who am I? Um, what does my ideal life look like? Not even necessarily further in the future, but right now was a thing. So I started it based on all of that. And that was after I graduated um, from grad school. Wow. I really like that um, that advice that your friend gave you, that you're imperfectly phenomenal. Because I think, I mean, the term phenomenal woman has become very popular. There's t-shirts mm-hmm. and books and things like that. But sometimes still, when we think of being phenomenal or inspirational, there's a there's an air of perfection that seems required. Yeah. Um, and so I love that imperfectly phenomenal means that even if you stumble around through life, yep. there's phenomenal things that are that can come. I mean, I've stumbled so many times and I would like to believe I've done great things so far in my life and not just always looking forward, but appreciating mm-hmm. the current, like you said. Um, and also, you know, great things can come from breakups. It's, you're not the first person sure. on the podcast that has had a I believe and amazing things are coming up and you probably won't be the last. So right. kudos to that person because now <laughs> we have this amazing podcast of yours. Um, can you talk about how you started? You talked about a workshop. Was it a podcasting workshop? And what did you do in your process of understanding the craft of having a podcast? And how did you decide the format that you have for your podcast? Yeah, so the workshop, I think, stems from the fact that I really like to speak and, like, have speaking opportunities and whatnot. When me and my friend did that one specifically, it was designing your life. Mm. So it wasn't about podcasting at all, um, but really just about personal growth and development. And so we had both read this book called Designing Your Life. If you haven't read it, I recommend it. Um, They break things down into work, love, play, and health. And you kind of start to analyze the different areas of your life and like kind of put it in a gauge format to figure out, okay, like think about it as your gas meter or whatever with Mm -hmm. work. How am I feeling right now? Do I feel like I'm really like living out my purpose, this, that, and the other? Do you feel like you're more on empty, more on full? Like where on the meter do you fall? And you can really start to look at those different areas of your life and figure out where you are now and then where you want to be and move forward. So the... um the workshop was more so about that. But taking that information that I had and then kind of still moving forward with the podcast as well was what ended up happening with that, taking like what I learned from doing that experience and taking um, where I Mm -hmm. was on the meter and the gauge and kind of shifting things around to make sure that I'm living the life that I truly want to live. But once I ended up starting to really get focused with the podcast, I started off by doing test episodes with folks. Cause in my mind, I'm like, I can't talk. I'm going to be terrible. I can't carry on a conversation for more than five minutes. Like that's not realistic. This is going to be awful. But then once I started doing the test episodes, I was like, Oh, I like this. This actually works. Like who knew? I didn't know that I could do this and just kept on moving forward with, recording with folks I had no clue what I was doing I'm sure you did the same thing with like googling everything trying to figure out what Mm -hmm. mics to buy and just all the things like the best recording software how to actually upload things to RSS feed like what it's a high barrier to entry for podcasting for sure but make it happen Mm -hmm. move forward now 80 episodes in feel like I got it yeah, you're right. There's, I mean, I think if anyone is in- listening and interested in starting a podcast, there's so, so, so many podcasts. Literally, there's a podcast for any show, any interest. So and many. if there doesn't exist, you can start one. Um, the hardest thing for me was finding a name for the podcast because 
all the <laughs> names that I came up with were taken because there's so oh. many podcasts. Um, but you're right. There's so much information out there. Um, if you have the money to, to take a course or do a workshop, obviously that saves you the time of having to get all that information and figure out what is most useful and what works best for you and your style of podcasting. But it could be as simple as literally opening up as using your iPhone or using um, your any phone you have, plugging in regular headphones and just starting to record. There are free software that you can use to start a podcast. There are pretty inexpensive websites that you can host your podcast on. Um, I've even seen some people just record on their computer or record through Zoom and then upload it to YouTube and they have a YouTube only podcast. So there's so many ways that you can put your voice and the voice of others out there on the internet. And as you continue, like you said, you started off with those rest, rough test episodes. And then as you've gone into those 80 episodes, they've gotten better and better. And your skill in interviewing has gotten better and better. And mm-hmm. like you, your podcast is imperfectly perfect. I, the first couple episodes probably would spend hours and hours and hours editing, editing out any like, um, breath like everything and then I started like okay as a consumer do I actually care about those things when I listen to podcasts the answer is no I'm not you know Spotify like Michelle Obama podcast like whenever that happens Mm -hmm. then sure I'll pay someone to do that tedious task right but I'm just a regular person interviewing regular people with amazing stories and you are the same so um don't think that you have to be perfect or make yourself go crazy creating the perfect episode to be able to share the voices because at the end of the day you're sharing stories and you're sharing experiences that people need to hear and if it's imperfect that's all the better totally literally what you're about for me it is on brand brand. i remember like, (laughs) like whenever i mess up that's all i think to myself now which is so useful like a lot of people, if you mess up, you're like, oh my gosh, why did I do that? Like you have these ruminating thoughts of like, I should have done better. I should have done this. I should have done that. Whenever I mess up now, I'm like, oh, on brand. Let's mm. keep moving. Like, that's it's so hard. freeing. It, yeah, it's so it freeing. From, yeah, it stops you from freaking out or being too hard on yourself about Um, what you can produce because Mm -hmm. we live in a society that's very much focused on production and value tied to production and that production has to be perfect and almost like clone of other people's outputs and so just the idea that you find joy in like calm and being imperfect is very countercultural and it's very yeah. against what we're sold in in society social media and things like that so I love it keep it up um do you have a favorite this is a hard question but do you have a favorite episode or a couple of episodes or insights that you've gotten from your episodes Ooh, insights I like insights <laughs> um I would say one of my favorite episodes one is about egg freezing. Ooh. That one was very interesting to me because as women, we end up having these kids in the future, but leading up to it, we surely don't learn nothing about fertility. We don't learn anything about mm. like prepping for that process. It kind of just, this. there's this storyline of you graduate, you get married, you have a kid. It's truly not that simple. Like, it is a very complicated no. life journey that we all have. Um, and so this particular episode about this woman who she froze her eggs. None of the eggs ended up being viable when she went back to use them. Um, wow. She's, which is wild. They don't, after that, they don't give you therapy. They don't give you anything. You get no refunds. You get nothing, which is insane. And then more recently she started doing different types of um, like looking into different ways to start a family. I can't remember the different names of the like types of injections and things you get, but recently she just had a baby. So shout out to her. Oh. That one's exciting. Yeah. It's so wild. She's 40 something. And then another episode that I loved was with Taya Marquise. And that one was about this feeling of being broken 
And so I know mm. for me and for her, we've both had this experience of feeling like as people, we were broken. We've both had really important people in our life pass away. For me, it was my ex-boyfriend. For her, it was like her best friend. And after those experiences, we were both like, we're broken. Leave us alone. Don't talk to us. Like, there's no point in talking to us. We're not worth it, blah, blah, blah. Um, But at the end of all of the episodes that I do with folks, we reframe limiting beliefs that hold us back from living fully Mm -hmm. and authentically. And the reframe for that one was you are not broken. You just feel broken. And so that was like, I think, a big epiphany for me. Um, And then other epiphanies. I have so many just like, whoa, moments while I'm talking to folks and the insights that I gain from people are just wild. One of the most recent ones I did was about conflict avoidance. I'm a very conflict avoidant person. (laughs) I'm not good at it. I will shut down. I cannot speak. Like, I just can't do it. And the guest was not conflict avoidant. And so she was basically trying to give tips on how not to be so conflict avoidant. And one thing that she said was having uncomfortable conversations with the ones you love is an act of love. And I was like, well, damn. Mm. All right. I guess I'll have these. Like, that for me is very helpful. Because initially in my mind, I'm like, if I'm having an uncomfortable conversation, then I'm starting confrontation. And this is bad. This is a bad thing. But when we reframe it to say it's an act of love because it shows you care about the relationship, it's like, oh, all right, I'll try. So, wow. Yeah, I um, I used to avoid conflict. I used actually that's a lie. I think I used to avoid (laughs) conflict, but I also always saw like I'm. That and like, an, I like to describe myself as a gnat, even though literally the gnat is the most useless insect. And I will argue someone oh down goodness. to this. It's like, what does it do? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Bees are useful, I guess, wasps, but gnats are just nuisances. <laughs> but sometimes I felt like I was a nuisance and I thought that was a bad thing. But in a sense, I'm a nuisance because I always saw like issues or problems that needed to be Mm. solved and someone would rather ignore it. And so as much as I don't like, if I could avoid like fighting with people, that's how I avoid conflict. But I always was that like, Oh, this is happening or how come this is happening and kind of like agitating people. And so I've leaned into that and um, realized that like, you know what, I guess that's my, brand to be that person that's like but what about in the middle of a meeting or like Mm -hmm. did we think about and like they'd probably rather (laughs) like not have to think about different kinds of people or different things and I think that's what has always gotten me attracted to the diversity work that I do because I'm always thinking like okay what about these people or like this problem and have we answered all these questions um so uncomfortable conversations comes now with diversity work community organizing or any kind of thing where you have to like hold people to task to stand up for other people that don't necessarily have their voices heard so I I actually love tension now it still makes me sweat and I still shake as I do it but I almost feel like I'm very religious and so I always feel like those moments where in my brain it's like this is scary it's like mm. a, I get like this like extra force and I can only explain it as like the Holy Spirit or like maybe my guardian angel is like in the back like yeah you can't see me yeah if you're watching the podcast and I'm, I'm throwing up guardian angel gigs I'm about to say I'm about to say her guardian angel is a gang member <laughs> I was about to say that so I'm glad you recognize that you were throwing up gang but signs for your guardian my angel. guardian angel has got to be like right or die because <laughs> I have put that angel through it in my life so yes probably is full of armor but anyway um I like uncomfortable conversations after they happen during the process it's definitely very awkward and no one actually I don't think likes awkwardness naturally that's not a human tendency but the result can be like love like you said I used my family we never really had um like deeper conversations like if it was uncomfortable my mom would kind of like okay just pray about it and like you kind of like leave it alone same um so growing up I'm just like guess what we're not gonna do this (laughs) so I'm Mm -hmm. like agitate 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 and as much as it makes my mom like 
cringe every time I bring up like a hard topic that she had us like can't escape me from. Um, it's grown our relationship so much more than it would have been. And I think as yeah. you grow, like I'm in my thirties now, you can't expect to have the same kind of relationship where you keep brushing things under the rug or not talking about it because those conversations with family help you grow as a person. And we're talking about being our most authentic self. If you mm-hmm. can't have uncomfortable conversations with the people that should Absolutely. love you as your authentic self, then you're not really growing a real relationship with them. Um, yep. I recently had really uncomfortable conversations with my best friends as a black person. They're Asian. And I was like, you know what? I don't think you guys were really supportive of me over the summer during the George Floyd situation and all of the things that happened. I never felt that I was comfortable. I could, as my best friends, I should be able to come to you. Obviously, they're not going to know what it's like to be black because they're not. Mm-hmm. But um, now, like with the anti-Asian violence that's happening, I feel like I was like, let me be that that I didn't feel was for them. And it's it's yeah. been great to kind of like see the result of those uncomfortable conversations that we had over the summer. Yeah. So. And how that's, that's benefited them now, um, sadly, that this is happening. It's not a good thing that this is happening. That was something that I, I honestly did think about that when all of that was happening. Um, and I think a lot of Black people did. It's kind of like one of the first thoughts that I think a lot of Black people had was this is all happening in the Asian community now. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people weren't necessarily there for when everything was happening with George Floyd. I feel like a lot of people are waking up, even in this incident. Um mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely interesting to see how this timing is all working out. It's another learning opportunity for a lot of folks. Yes, yeah. Um, and I, I always feel like if you if you care about one population, that should translate to other populations that have experienced oppression. I don't it's sad that you kinda of have to reteach people why anti-Asian mm-hmm oppression exists and the history since the 1800s and things like that it's like well when you were listening and learning what were you like how come what you've learned didn't translate to this issue um Mm -hmm. but again those conversations now have to keep happening the ones that happened over the summer have to keep happening now and so uncomfortable conversations is almost like the trend um absolutely as long as they're done in love and you know real fruits come of them I think that that's I mean whoever you had come on the podcast that's a great insight because it is an act of love if you care even if they're not your best friend where I believe we're all called to love our neighbor even the person that we hate the most that's kind of like if you can't uh what is I think it was Dorothy Day she said you love God to the extent that you love the person you hate the most or something or you like Mm. the least and I'm like Oh, that's, that's hard. That's a good one. I don't like. There's some one. people that I'm like, <sighs> I gotta love them. Yikes! <laughs> that was a good one. So, um, that that discomfort comes from that. Like, if we're supposed to love our neighbor or whatever, like even the person we don't like, then we have to love the person that makes us the most uncomfortable too. So it's a great yeah. practice. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, do you have any tips since you're 80 episodes in and I'm like a baby podcaster? Do you have any tips for um, <laughs> new podcasters, people that are thinking of doing podcasting or even something like um, writing a book, um, maybe creating something else creatively? What tips do you have for them in balance? Because you have a day job. <laughs> and then you have Yeah, this. yeah, yeah. Ooh, girl, that. So recently I had been okay I think one of the things that I learned most recently is that you have to shift as your life shifts and so when I first started this podcast I had just graduated from grad school so I had some time you know I had just quit my job Mm -hmm. um so I had some time and that gave me time to edit that gave me time to record with folks that gave me time to do all of these things once I ended up getting Um, I ended up getting a part-time job and I was like, okay, this is cool. A little less time. Um, Once I got that, still had some time though. But more recently, I'm working full-time, got promoted to a director position and all of that. And I expected Mm -hmm. that I could still use my time in the same way. Obviously, that is not realistic. You have to continuously shift your life 
at shift your shift the way that you use your time as your life shifts and just be real really realistic with yourself and accepting of where you are in this particular moment because a few weeks ago I was so upset with myself and so so anxious about the fact that like after work I was so exhausted. There was no way that I was about to do anything with anybody's podcast because I just wanted to watch TV and eat dinner and go to bed. Mm -hmm. That's all I had left in me for my energy. And then I realized like, okay, if this is my new circumstance, I have to adjust the way that I'm doing things so that I can still, you know, give to my podcast. So now I wake up early. I wake up like, an hour and a half earlier to work on my pod every day as opposed to trying to do it after work and just like be pitiful and be mad at myself for not being able to actually do it and get it right. So I would say one thing is um, shift as your life shifts and that's okay. Just accept where you are and make necessary adjustments. That's totally fine. Um, Another one, let's see what else I would call out. Another thing I'd been thinking of recently is with interviews, only interviewing people that make me wildly excited. And so, for example, I just saw <laughs> I just saw like this video on Instagram of this woman who started a business and by the end of this like 3 minute clip, I was crying. And then while I was crying, I was like this is how I want to feel about every single person that I talk to for the rest of my life type of deal. So really like only interviewing people that I'm really excited about. I remember at the beginning when I was doing episodes, I would basically just like bring on anybody. Um, Also, especially if I was like getting close to not having episodes and backup files and all of that kind of stuff. I would just be like, okay, this person's cool. Like, let's just bring them in because I don't have an episode for next week. And so it ends up talking to them. But like, it's important to feed your spirit because when your spirit is fed, you're able to, like your listeners hear that and they feel that and they vibe with that. So if you're really excited about a person, then it like really comes through. So I would say those are probably my two main ones for right now. Yes, I've learned that lesson um, kind of the hard way. I generally feel like I can talk with anyone, so I didn't want to restrict myself in the beginning. And I love all of those episodes from the beginning. But as I have, like, I'm editing by myself, I don't have a team or anything like that. I mean, my husband helps me edit the sound and stuff like that. But really, I'm doing most of the work creating podcasts like outlines and the descriptions and uploading and all of mm-hmm. that and so if I'm going to be doing all this work and listening to the episode multiple times because you have to do that yes, as you, even if you do the most bare bones you have to listen to it at least once through and if you cringe at any point of that then it's like ooh, some people listening are going to hear that I'm not like I'm like I sound tired or I sound like uninterested mm-hmm. And sometimes those episodes have given me life. Like I'm exhausted. It's 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. And I don't know what I can give. And sometimes like the the guest is so great that I like the energy comes. But sometimes I'm like, I was editing one that I was like, this is not going to be good. And I didn't put it out. And she was like, when are you going to put out the episode? When are you going to put out the episode? Mm -hmm. And, um, I had to do like some soul searching. I was like, is it worth putting out an episode and not missing? Because I had, like you said, I had a season where I had so much time. The summertime, I batch recorded. And and it's the beginning of the school year. I work at a school. And so once school got a rearing, like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I was thankful for all those batch episodes. And then I had a knee injury. And I had planned on batch recording, like, in the summer or winter break time. And my knee injury kind of like ruined all of my plans. So I mm-hmm. coming into the new year, not having those that like batch of episodes, I was like, should I just put out these episodes that I've recorded with people that I'm not a fan of? Or should I just not have anything uploaded? Because I ran out of all my batch stuff. And it was yeah. I felt like a, such a disappointment. And I have a career coach and she was like, no offense, 
you just started. I doubt anyone is like banging at your door like, I need an episode like today. Like, and if they do, that's great. Then you're doing it. But you're putting the pressure on yourself. And it's better for you to keep the quality of episodes that you've had than to just start pumping out and and episodes that you don't believe in. And so I didn't mm-hmm. publish those that episode with that person and I told the person why. And um I've just like if there's a season where I'm not doing great and I've been dealing with certain things for myself, I give myself grace to not have an episode and I'm rethinking the cadence with which I pump out. Like if it has to be bi-weekly, then that's fine as long as the quality stays and hopefully eventually mm-hmm. the school year will be over and I'll have my batch episodes again, but yep. just giving yourself grace and um, working when you have the energy. There's a lot of science between working, um, especially for women, working around your cycle. So there's times of the mm-hmm. month where I'm like, I could like conquer the world. And then there's times of the month I'm like, That's interesting. I don't need to see anything right now. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I kind of like I'm trying to figure out that system because I think that would be the most productive for me, at least with the podcast. Yeah, I've heard I've heard that on other podcasts, like full episodes about that. Mm-hmm. But I think that's something I might want to revisit. But that would be another thing that I would say that I've learned is I, ha- I had a health moment, too, mm-hmm. um, at the beginning of COVID. Ran out of episodes because it was COVID and I had a health thing. Um editing that would have been too much because I had a health thing Mm -hmm. and I was like beating myself up for it I was like people are going to think I'm inconsistent like Mm -hmm. all of these different limiting beliefs in the back of my mind um I'm not good enough all of that and then I realized like if people are really supportive of you and if they're on your team they're going to want you to get rest and so Mm -hmm. if you're missing a few episodes they're cool with that because they're no, they know like what's going on. They know you're re-energizing. They know, um, and they support you. And so it's fine. It's fine to miss some episodes. It is totally okay. And people aren't paying as much attention to us as we think we, as we think they are. That was another insight that I got from one of my guests. She was saying she was feeling like she was inconsistent with posting on Instagram um, thinking that her content wasn't good enough. And then her husband was like, honestly, like, get over yourself. <laughs> People are <laughs> not looking that deeply into how often you're posting content. It's not that serious. And then I was like, that is very true. The thing that people are probably thinking while they're scrolling is like, oh, like, look at this piece of content. What is my next meal? You know, they're not really focused on yes. us that much. It's okay. They're hungry. They're busy. They worry about their own content. Like, just get over yourself. So, yeah. And if if they are, then, I mean, great. But you can also, your first priority should be taking care of yourself and then taking care of other people. There there have been times I'm like, you know what? I wonder what so-and-so's been up to. And I'm like, oh, they haven't posted. I hope they're okay. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's the extent with which I talk about it it's exactly that was about that was not even 30 seconds no. worth of talk no. <laughs> you get you get about two seconds worth yeah it was a very kind thought too like i wonder if they're okay that's kind yes so we're good and then carry on i'm not a celebrity so it's not like i have to show up in that way for fans or anything like that but um yeah these are great insights about yourself about kind of taking care of yourself and then also lessons that you've learned as a podcaster with guests I think having a passion for who you talk to definitely shines through and it's probably the biggest lesson that I've learned and also not underestimate for me one of the lessons that I learned was not underestimating the power of a guest I had a guest and I was like they have a cool story but I don't think they're going to be like you know I've had guests that have had like really crazy things happen in their life and they're there's the way that they talked was like it was a good episode but it wasn't like they weren't the greatest guest right um no shade but that's just like how they personality was they weren't the greatest guest and then some people whose stories i'm like this is cool but i'm like i don't know how excited people are gonna be still consistently Mm -hmm. based off of my stats the most watched or listened to podcast 
episode. So a lot of people have gotten nice. insight from that episode where I'm like, is this topic something that a lot of people think about? I don't know, but I, I'm sure if five people care about it, then I'm going to put it out there because I cared about mm-hmm. it and they cared about it and they told a great story. So I'm going to put it out there and lo and behold, tons and tons of people cared about the topic and what they had to say. So not underestimating the power of an individual story is something that I've learned and has kept me through because we are so unique as people and Mm -hmm. you would be surprised how connected some people can be to someone's story. Yep. I agree. I like to interview like what I call everyday women. Mm -hmm. Um, because I do believe everybody has insights to share. Yes. And everyday women often don't get a platform to share their stories. Um, and I don't know if you've realized this while you've interviewed people, but it's almost like a therapy session. Yes. With a lot of Yes, folks. it is. Yeah. Because nobody gets a space to just share their thoughts for an hour straight of just what they think, what they believe, how they feel, other than within a therapy session. Like anytime you're talking to your friends, people go back and forth with you and like give you advice and like all of these different things. But when you're on a podcast, you often just are free to talk and it's you like, this is your time. It's your platform. Like you go. So it's like therapy, but I like giving everyday women that one hour space to just go for it. Yes. I love that. Okay. So I always ask my guests if they have a rose and a thorn from their week or, you know, this season of life. So a rose is something positive that's happened to you lately and a thorn is a bump along the road. Let's see. Rose, I would say I love my apartment right now. Um, Like I love my apartment. So <laughs> I recently moved in here. It was crazy because I I love amenities. Like I'm an amenities person. I live downstairs and not necessarily my apartment a lot of the time. Um, And so I walked into this building and I was like, yes, love the amenities. I'm living here. Show me apartments. But then the apartments were like weird shapes and like all of these strange things. Um, But I was like, okay, whatever. I love the amenities. (laughs) so I'm gonna move in. And so like I went into this apartment one day and the kid next door, his piano had to be right up against my bedroom wall and oh, he was playing no. like Titanic and like first grade nursery rhymes. And like, I was like, I can't live in this apartment. Like this apartment, I'm not living here. And this was the day before I was supposed to move in. So it was still empty and all of that. And I just sat on the floor in the bedroom like Titanic. I can't do it. So went downstairs and then was <laughs> like, I'm, I can't live in that apartment. Find me another one. And this one that I live in now had just opened up that night um, and so wow. I ended up coming in here and this is exactly the like layout that I had wanted the entire time for my apartment search. The, like everything in here is just exactly what I wanted. So it was perfect. That is my rose. Um, it was very divine actually. I feel like, ah, thorn. Yes. <laughs> Let's think of the thorn. It's like a micro thorn, I would say. Um, cause I'm, I'm living pretty damn well right now. I don't have a ton of thorns other than that moment from a few weeks ago where I was like stressing out about my timeline, my timing of doing the podcast and then switching to the morning now. So that's positive, mm-hmm. but micro thorn, I would say at work, we are in the process of changing a few things and I want things to be changed at a higher level then we're about to do it. Um, I, I want excellence, you know? <laughs> and so figuring out how to Don't continue to like get people to like, let's, let's get to this next level of excellence while not stepping on toes. It's been a, a hard little dance for me. So that's my micro thorn. I completely agree with that dance. Um, it can mm-hmm. be hard because you just got a new position, so you want to keep it. <laughs> right. And right. you still also want to, like your job represents you, who you are and you want to work in an environment that mm-hmm. that kind of holds up to that standard that you have as a person. So 
I get it. It's not really a micro thorn because you spend so much time at your work. So <laughs> it's a real thorn. True. It's a full thorn. We get it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask a bonus question. Um, Ooh, when, bonus. I, when I do virtual mentoring with um, the elementary students that my students do service with, um, they do rose bud and thorn. And a bud is something oh. that you're looking forward to. Not quite Ooh. a rose yet. I like bud. Um, I think it's this idea that I have in my mind of doing the videos, mm. the video episodes. I'm kind of like really vibing with that thought right now. And what I've noticed about myself is if I have a thought that won't go away, then I need to do it. Oh, and yes. so that particular thought, I've been sitting on it for a little bit. And I think I'm in the space now where I'm just going to do it. How? I have no clue because I don't know anything about videos, but I'm going to do it. And it's going to be real good. Yes, it will. I love that. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> I can't wait to see these video episodes in the future for sure. Yes. Where can people follow along on your story? Yeah, you can follow me at IP Woman Podcast on Instagram and Twitter and on Clubhouse, even though I'm never on Clubhouse, but you can still follow me there anyways. Um, that's I-P-W-O-M-A-N. And then also Imperfectly Phenomenal Woman Podcast on uh, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen. IP Woman Podcast on is my website too. So you can check all of those out. Awesome. I will leave all of that information in the show notes below. If you haven't gotten the chance to listen to Lauren's podcast, please subscribe and take a listen and follow her along on Twitter so that you don't miss any updates, Twitter and Instagram, so you don't miss any updates for her podcast. Thank you so much, Lauren, for spending your time with me this morning. And I hope you have a great day in your own story. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a good one, everybody. I love listening to Lauren share how she found herself, embraced her individuality, and channeled that knowledge into a podcast. Similarly to Lauren, I love listening to the unique stories of guests and unpacking lessons and themes. Lauren has a great skill in reframing, adding a new perspective to help guests and listeners walk away with a sense of action. If you haven't already, check out the Imperfectly Phenomenal Women podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to check out Lauren on Instagram, and while you're there, check out the Tell Me If You Can podcast Instagram page as well. Did you know that we have a Patreon? Head over to patreon.com slash getchmeifyoucan. I'll leave the link in the show notes below so that you can learn how you can support this podcast and Ogechi's creative endeavors. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, have a great day in your own amazing story. Mm -hmm.